sing that chorus together. Can't you see why I'm happy? Oh, can't you see why I'm happy? I've accepted the word of the Lord. The revealed word that was spoken by the prophet. Six zero five, if we could, brother. I will praise him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Let's start with that first verse. God bless you this morning, saints. I want to greet those joining us at the camp, those who stayed over there, and all those who are joining us by way of the streaming. I just want to say, God bless you this morning. I trust the Holy Spirit will be with you as it is here. Amen. But let's just sing this together. I will praise him. I will praise him.
Jesus. Just stand together this morning, sing greater than all. Let's go down to see if we can.
it is saints to be the blood-bought of Calvary this morning to know that every sin every past every future sin can be placed under the blood and lost to God's memory amen thank you Lord Jesus happy to see your brother Tim Hofer God bless you brother can I ask you to come open the service for us in a word of prayer here with his wife sister Stephanie God bless you I grew up with brother Tim it's always a blessing to see I'm still serving the Lord after all these years amen why don't you come brother open the service for us if you would Father, we come before you, Lord, this morning, Lord, truly a privilege and a grateful people, Lord, that we can come together with our looks of faith, Lord, and join together and, Lord, come with a desire, Lord, to serve you, to be drawn closer to you. Lord, knowing you've given us a promise, Lord, that we've been made more than conquerors in this life, Lord, not another life, but this life. And Father, we just want to say how thankful we are, for Lord, for this body of believers, Lord, that stood here, Lord, for all these years. Lord, truly grateful, Lord, for the ministry, Lord, for the faith, Lord, knowing that we're all desiring, Lord, for you to come quickly. Father, to be caught away, Lord, with you in the air. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would come to us this morning and, Lord, bring the word in such a way that we'd be drawn closer to you. Lord, that we could leave this building, Lord, and know that we've walked with you, Lord. And Father, we'd have that testimony that Enoch had, that we pleased you. Father, and you just come and abide with us now, Lord, and just anoint the man of God that would come behind the pulpit, Lord, and bring the word and just pray it speak to us in a special way. We love and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats as we take up the morning offering. Brother Tom's going to come and a few announcements and greetings for us, but just as we take up the offering, let's sing, He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Oh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away.
everyone this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. We had a wonderful evening yesterday. Nice to see you back, Brother Mike, Sister Debbie. I hope you're holidayed out. <laughs> Your uh, seat was vacant. We kept it open for you. It's nice to have you back. We had a wonderful evening and we wanted to thank the saints and the sisters that labored so marvelously yesterday to make it a special affair. It was, uh, I guess we had over about 140 and and there's always more food than we should have. And it was just excellent. And it was great fellowship. It was nice to be together with everyone. And uh, some of the uh, saints stayed there. And they're at the camp and they're streaming this morning. And so with, for that, God gave us a lot of visitors this morning. And we want to welcome and give you a very warm welcome. And thank God for your presence. you. We have um, Brother Tim um, Dodd will be speaking this morning. I came back from the Philippines to the report and I thought it would be great to have Brother Tim hot off the Uganda trail and he's going to be speaking to us this morning. With That will be very special, I'm sure. We have a pastor here all the way from Brazzerville, Congo. Brother Raphael, you're standing there or sitting there. Would you stand up please so that we can greet you? Nice to have you here in Canada. We had the privilege to have dinner with our dear brother when we were down in Dallas, Texas. And I, I knew they were making their way, but I didn't know it was going to be this quick. And so I got notice that they will be here. Brother Abel's here. God bless you from Oregon. Nice to have you here. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful to know that the family of God's not too far away. I don't know how come you only visit when somebody comes from overseas, but you're welcome anytime, Brother Abel. You know that. Amen. Also, we have saints that are here uh, traveling from Phoenix. Brother Joshua, you're here. Why don't you stand with your family so that we can greet you? And we met at uh, Brother David Mbayou. I'll get a raid some year. Uh, his, um, we, when we had a special meetings with him and his ordination. And so also from Phoenix, of course, we've got Tim and his dear wife. Why don't you please, you've been uh, recognized by Brother Ryan, but please, Stephanie, would you and your, your husband, Tim, stand? We want to welcome you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I, I've, I've known Brother Tim since he's a little toddler, actually, and, and now I, he met me in the hallway, and I said, he's a man, and uh, full grown, and we're happy to have you here. It's a blessing, Stephanie. Brother Jim, we've been had a special time in Texas with you. 
I trust we'll have a special time with you. Brother Jim, of course, doesn't need a recognition, but you can stand, Jim. This is a home church, okay? Brother Ryan's daddy, I know I'm going to get it at the end of the day, but amen. Brother Ray Florent has guests with them this morning. Uh, would you mind standing, if you don't mind? We'd like to welcome you also. God bless you. Nice to have you here. Amen. Well, the family of God's growing and continuing to grow, and we're thankful for that. There was a, a memorial service this weekend also. Some of the saints went over to support uh, Brother Raphael over on the island, and, um, and God bless you for that. And they've made it back home. Maybe some have stayed. Um, and we just want to remember Brother Raphael, the loss of Sister Aileen. And, um, you know, he's got two little boys. And we just trust that God will be their, their portion. Brother Ray, you have family visiting also. So you can't forget that. Brother Ray and Sister Zoe, where's your, where's your family connection? Why don't they stand? Our, our last greeting this morning. God bless you. Nice to have you here. This is from Seattle area. Amen. Well, it's, you know, if you, saints down in Mount Baker, they, they're there. They left a, a place for the blessed saints to come and gather with us this morning. So we thank God for all the effort that was made. So God bless you. We look forward to a wonderful time. Brother Tim Dodd, as I said, will be ministering. And we're looking forward to a great report or whatever God's got on his heart. God bless you. Mr. Deborah, were you going to sing for us? We don't think so. All right. They thought they might have something prepared for us, but maybe next time we'll get a little notice and we'll be ready for you. Amen. I've been wanting to sing a song that is well known to us. God's attributes were manifested to the bride in this last age. You know, sometimes we start singing this song and we get going so fast that these lyrics just roll off our tongue super fast. But, you know, if you really ponder every one of these lines, this is inspired. I want you to sing this song like you've never read these words before, and you're going to digest every lyric as our brother Tim comes to speak to us. And I want you to really catch the inspiration behind this word. Do you believe it? True Jubilee has sounded, and we have responded. Amen. Let's sing it like we've never sung it before, and we'll invite our brother Tim to minister the word to us. God's attributes were manifested to his bride in this last age. We have caught the revelation by the last prophet's message. And we know who we are and what we're
that original life? You know, I was just reading before the service, not part of my notes, but I was just referring back to a quote just before you started singing that song. Brother Branham says in the church age book, he says, in very plain language, the true bride of Christ was in the mind of God eternally. Though not expressed until each one came forth in a designated decreed season. This is your season. You're the original life for this season. Amen. As each member came forth, it became expressed and took its place in the body. Thus, the bride is the literal spoken word seed bride. Amen. You put your claims in there? Is that real to you? Not a hope so, but that's revealed to you. That word is speaking of me. Let's bow our heads together this morning as we commit ourselves to the Lord for the service. If you have a need, why don't you just make that known? Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every need that's in this place. You knew who would be sitting here. You knew, Lord, those from this congregation that would be streaming in the camp, Lord. You knew those that would be going to the island to support the memorial service there. Father, you knew us before the foundation of the world. We have come forth in this hour to manifest your word. We are the word made flesh today. We are losing our spiritual amnesia. Lord, we have been quickened by the revealed word, the incorruptible seed that we might take our place in this hour. Lord, take every doubt away from our minds this morning. As we turn back the pages of your word, we invite you, Father, to quicken it afresh to us, cause us to see what you want us to see. We realize, Lord, that you don't necessarily, as we say, put it all upon us at once, but you're bringing us through a progressive revelation to come and stand by the preaching of the word in perfect faith, in the perfect stature of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, take this part of our redemptive purpose this morning and make it all that it can be. Take this opportunity and cause us, Lord, to take a hold of eternal things. We commit ourselves to you, asking your blessing upon the word, the reading and the speaking of it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. That's all the singing that we will do. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus this morning. Exodus chapter 32. While you're turning, I just want to say, remember, next week, next Sunday is communion in the afternoon service, evening service. Do we know what time that's here? Four o'clock. The service will start at four o'clock. And uh, so you'll want to be just looking to the Lord to approach that very wonderful time in His presence. Sunday morning and then communion in the evening service. I want to bring you greetings this morning from the country of Uganda. All of the ministers there would send their greetings. And... Uh, Brother, especially Brother Stephen Abali, Brother uh, Fred Chienji, and I could name many, many other ministers who specifically said, be sure to greet Brother Biskel, 
be sure to greet Brother Tom, the saints at home, the ministers here, all of them, all of you. Uh, you're very much appreciated over there. And I am just your representative as we go there and trust that God makes a blessing through it. I want to just say, well, since we've been home for about a week, a little over a week, we've uh, done the Believer's Faith Challenge Report. It has been sent to the printer, and that should be coming out soon, and you'll be able to see a lot of pictures and hear a lot of stories from a lot of the different things that uh, is being labored on the missions field around the world. And uh, now that the border is open, we will not be mailing the BFCRs to the congregation on the United States side. You can pick them up here. If you need it mailed on the U.S. side uh, and you're part of the church here and you need it mailed for some reason, please let us know at the office and we will do that. But just to save a few dollars of the Lord's money... We'll just save on the postage, and you can pick it up in the church here when it's available. I don't know if it'll be next Sunday or the following Sunday. Amen. Are you happy this morning? Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 32. And I want to, uh, I want to begin reading this morning uh, at verse 25. And Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. We're going to just jump down to verse 30 to save a few uh, minutes. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I will make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Now he's standing before the great judge. And he says, Yet now if thou will forgive their sin. And he breaks off there. And he says, If not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, Mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. The service this morning is actually part two of the last service that I spoke, just being back from Boston and... and uh, spoke on character, and I'll just review it just for a moment here this morning. And it's been interesting because everywhere I go, I, I say the same thing lately for the last few weeks. I've talked to ministers that have been in the message longer than I have, and uh, uh, real men of God, solid in the Word of God. And 
And, and, and I say to them, I said, you know, the Bible says, or Brother Branham says rather about character, we realize that character is the only thing that we take with us. Amen. We're not taking our possessions. We're not taking our uh, anything from this earthly realm, but we're taking, we're not even taking this mortal body. This body has to be changed. And so we realize that, that, you know, we're not taking money or earthly possessions. We know that character is only made by suffering. And that, that is it, because it is a victory, it's not a gift. And we know that power without character is demonic, but power with character is fit to rule. And so as I, I say all these things, and I've asked many brothers on, in the last few weeks overseas, and I've been with thousands of ministers actually, and uh, I said, but what exactly is character? Define character for me. And not a single one has been able to define character. As it, they were in the same boat that I was in until a couple of months ago, Brother Jean. And, and uh, uh, so, so don't feel bad that when I asked you a few weeks ago what is character, that your mind kind of didn't quite grasp what the definition was. But we are arrived at the conclusion, and I'll call it my definition because I, I can't say Brother Branham said these exact words, but character is the ability to make the right decision. Character is the ability to make the right decision because we are being molded as future rulers in God's redemptive purpose. We know the Bible says, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. It is the rulers that have the say in the final decision. That their decisions affect the lives of many. And you are called to rule. Can you say amen to that? We say we're the word made flesh today. But you are being called to rule. You are being prepared to sit in the throne of Jesus Christ. This is not a light uh, a statement this morning. This is not something that we can just sit here and go, oh, that's a nice thought. Isn't that sound wonderful? It's going to be glorious when we get on the other side. No, we are going to be put into, and we are being put into a position of great responsibility. Even as Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 to the disciples, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it would have to obey you if you say it and don't doubt it. Amen. And whatsoever things you pray, uh, when you pray, believe that when you ask, you shall have what you ask and you will have what you ask. And so there, there's, a, there, there's an aspect of preparation that God is moving in our lives. He's not just saving us as sinners by, by uh, 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 that we come into this world as sinners and being saved by grace and that by faith and then coming into a position of salvation and coming into a position that we're just going to be a mass of people that go on to the other side and will just live in some kind of a bliss. No, you are being prepared to rule. Let me just say it to you straight this morning. If you don't realize it, that's what God's doing in your life. He's molding your character because power is what he's loosing in our lives. And power with character is fit to rule. Let's step a little higher this morning. Let's go beyond this earthly plane. This civilization will soon pass away. This world and all of its snares 
and all of its ideas and everything that it's doing to our minds and every trap that the devil has set and everything that the devil has tried to encompass and, and surround our lives with, one day there will be none of these things anymore. And if you are attached to this world, you will perish with this world. But if you are joined to Jesus Christ, he is preparing you now. Not on the other side. He's preparing you now to rule. Brother Branham goes through it in the, in the Smyrnian chapter of the church age book. And he quotes Romans 8. And he says, and if children, then heirs, join heirs with Christ. Now the scripture before that, that Brother Branham doesn't quote, says in Romans chapter 8, the spirit of adoption bears witness that we are the children of God. Amen. Amen. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. All right. So, so the Holy Spirit comes to us to tell us you're a child of God. You always were a child of God. You always will be a child of God. Like I tell my own children, you never asked to be a Dodd. You're a child of Dodd. But you're a child of God. And we never asked to be. Our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And so we have this, this within us, the Bible says. It bears witness with us. The Holy Spirit comes to us, bears witness that we are children of God. And if children, the Bible says, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. What he is heir to, you are heir to. Join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is more real to me than it has ever been. I trust that it is more real to you. Nothing in this world will deter me from fulfilling this scripture. How many say amen to that this morning? He goes on to talk about characters of victory. And he says, since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down in the Father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. Are you an overcomer? He said, God wants us to develop a Christ-like character through, that comes through suffering. Not suffering without a purpose. And I'm not speaking on suffering again, but I'm talking about a Christ-like character. Because I want to dwell on the subject of decisions. I almost called this, what is a decision? As I said last time, what is character? But what is a decision? Because God comes in these sufferings, in these trials that we go through, to teach us how to make the right decision. We, I, I went through it last time, so I won't go through it again, but we see in Brother Branham's life how his life was so transparent and how that in the beginning of his ministry, he, he 
He mentions a few wrong decisions that he had made in different areas of things that God was dealing with him. But by the time he come to what he called his final test, he was equipped to make the right decision. And God loosed that power in that life. And then, and then come the prophecy that said, because thou hast made the correct decision, And then God said, it is my way. And so all of these things about decisions, God wants us, because he's put us here on free moral agency. We realize because we have a soul, we have a free moral agency. Animals don't have a soul and don't have free moral agency. But God puts us here in free moral agency and allows us to make decisions to receive new character within our life. And I'd put it this way, God opens doors. You know, one time the prophet of God, and now you'll have to forgive me if I've mentioned some of these things before, because I've been preaching on this subject now for three weeks. And I don't know if I mentioned it in Africa or if I mentioned it here. It's just kind of all starts to blend together. But I want to just go further this morning. But I want to say there was a time that a prophet of God came to the king and said, you know, take an arrow and shoot it into the, shoot it out the window. And he says, behold, the arrow of God's deliverance. And then he says to him, now take the remaining arrows and smite the ground with them. And he takes and he smites the ground three times. And the the prophet of God gets angry with him. He says, why did you stop at three? See, something moved him to stop at three. Some kind, something in his mind said three is enough. Something in his thought pattern said, well, he never said a number, so I choose three. Is that right? He chose three, not a prophet of God. Prophet of God never told him what to say. Now remember, now remember the prophet is the word for the day. And so the word for the day didn't tell him how many times to smite the ground. But yet he took the arrows and smote the ground three times. And the prophet said, you should have kept smiting because the number of times you smite the ground is the number of times you're going to smite Syria. Now, the prophet never told him that. You see, God doesn't tell you everything. He lets you make a decision upon something based on the character that's in you. God wanted, I'll just say it this way, God wanted to see more aggression in the king. And the king was kind of maybe a little bit laid back in that season and said, well, three ought to be enough. Three wasn't enough. It should have been many more times because then Syria would have been smitten till it was destroyed. But as it was, they could only smite Syria three times and that didn't bring them the entire victory. So God presents an opportunity to us, many times an opportunity. Brother Branham would talk in a service and how that, how that uh, uh, he would uh, call somebody out in the meeting. One service, I'll use one example here. He calls out a man uh, with a cancer operation. He says, you just come from an operation, a cancer operation. Um, you're, you're healed. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm... I've, He's, calling, he's talking to a man, there he is, a man sitting back there with back trouble. And so he's, he's calling to the man, and the man doesn't respond. And then he says, you missed it, Mr. Anderson, because you didn't respond. Now, now remember, it was his choice to respond. God sends his word out. 
and he's wanting him to respond, but he doesn't respond. Sometimes God sends his word out, and he wants you to respond. He leaves that decision to you. Now, I don't know if Mr. Anderson received healing later on in his life, but yet at this particular moment, it was an opportunity for him to be completely delivered. It was an opportunity for him to be totally set free. God's word came to him, and he didn't respond. He had a choice. He made the wrong decision. He didn't respond Brother Brown, go in one place in 1955. He says, America, with its great opportunities, it's had for revival, and yet it continually gets worse. It alarms me. This is my land. I was born here, and I love it. I'm wanting to see a great revival in my day, if we can. Now, I can't bring that great revival. No minister can. But we can put in our part while God brings it. Each one of us has a part to play. Opportunities for revival. Each one of us has a part to play. We can't bring a revival to Cloverdale Bible Way. But when God brings revival, we have a part to play. You have a part to play. We can't bring revival to Uganda, but when God sends revival, we have a part to play. We can't send revival here. We can't create revival there. Brother Branham says revival is sovereignly given of God. It's God in his sovereignty. But when an opportunity presents itself, that creates a time for decision. Amen. Brother Branham says a revival will never come until God, the sovereign God, sends it. And then he might take up a little nitwit that can't even sign his name and do it with it. That knows not even good English, let alone Greek. A revival will never come until the sovereign God sends it. That's sovereign. That's what God does. He alone has the right to send revival. It's not get the mechanics together. See, that's why I believe you can't take what's happening. I'm going to be talking about Uganda this morning. You can't take what's happening in Uganda and duplicate it somewhere. Because it's not get the mechanics together. It's pray for God to send the dynamics and so a revival is something that's very important. And I was, I, while I was in Uganda, I was speaking to the brothers, actually at the, one of the minister's meetings. And I, I said, you know, it's interesting because Brother Branham said in spoken word is the original seed that you can't hybrid the crop. He says, if you hybrid the crop, it dies right there. And he, and he, but he said, because of that, God, uh, because it will not reproduce itself if it's hybrid, Brother Brown says that's why every generation has its own revival, a chance at the word. And I said to the ministers there, I said, the message came into this country 40 years ago. Now it's another generation. And God is giving this next generation a fresh chance at the word of God. Amen. And so there's some tremendous things. I'll share them in a little bit, but I just want to lay some of the scriptural principles down here about decisions. Because as I said, decisions come through opportunity, but I'll also say decisions create a conflict. 
is a spiritual conflict. I was talking to one of my sons last night, and uh, he was telling me a quotation he had read. It wasn't from the message, but I thought it was a good quotation. It said, a man's greatest struggle is being torn between what everybody expects of him and what he feels the Spirit of God is wanting him to do. Let me read that again. A man's greatest struggle is being torn between doing what everybody expects or doing what he feels God wants him to do. That can often be two different things. Because a man must be led by God. And in the molding of our character, God is molding us to have Christ-like character. A character that is not doing what man wants him to do. Man wanted him to take the throne. That wasn't the season. Man wanted him to, to you know, his, it was his mother that wanted him to turn the water to wine. And he wasn't particularly impressed at it, but he, he did it anyway. And, 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 you know, there's different ones that had different agendas for Jesus. But Jesus did not walk according to man's agenda. Bible says he endured the contradiction of sinners. What was the contradiction? Sinners are always contradicting what the will of God is. And there's many that want this and many that want that. And we all, we all can get into our own carnal ideas. Well, it should happen this way or it should happen this way. But Christ, God is molding us to be Christ-like. Not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Not our will. Not our human wants. Not our human desires. Paul says, I crucify the flesh. I die daily, yet nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There's something being built on the inside of the inside that says, I don't want what I want. I don't want what the people want. I don't want what my family wants. I want what God wants. I don't want what the government wants. I don't want what the media tells me. I don't want what somebody's offering me. I don't want the job opportunity that maybe looks good in this world. I want what God wants. If God wants me to be poor, I will be poor. I've got some amens on that one. Praise the Lord. If God wants me to suffer, I will suffer. If God wants me to go through this, I will go through this. If, God, if this is what God has given me to overcome, I will overcome it. And I will overcome it with a right attitude. And I will overcome it with my thoughts towards God. I will overcome it no matter what the devil throws at me. Because I am predestinated to overcome every obstacle. To be a Christ-like ruler prepared for the throne of Christ. That's who I am. I believe there's many here like that. If that's too strong for you this morning, I'll say God hasn't opened your eyes yet. If you're a son or daughter of God, you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And if joint heirs, you will rule and reign with him. And your character is being molded now for that position that God in his eternal thoughts has always had for you. A lot of decisions are made that are wrong. Lots of wrong decisions. We've all made wrong decisions. Amen? Yeah. Uh, that, that should have been the loudest amen on that one. 
We have all made wrong decisions. There's no, there's no doubt about it. You know, Brother Brown talks about a, from that time. It says, talks about the person that smokes their first cigarette from that time. You know, that was a wrong decision. The, first, the person that, that, that drank their first drink from that time. From that decision, you know, they were maybe raised right, taught right. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't defile your body, don't, don't live immorally, don't wear makeup, don't cut your hair, all those kind of things. But yet they make a decision from that time. And many times, and we thank God that those are not irreversible decisions. There's only one irreversible decision, and that is the decision to give your life in a full surrender to Jesus Christ. We're going to have a baptism this morning, a young man, young man, but he's making a decision at a young age. I pray that it'll be a real decision in his life, that he'll make a stand. And, and uh, I, I told Brother Tom before the service, I baptized all of my children at a young age. And I, I'll just say, maybe some of them didn't realize the decision they were making and didn't live up to the decision, but there's others that did. And I can tell you that when I made my decision, it was a decision that I would never turn back from. And if you haven't made that decision this morning, you need to make a decision. Not just decide to go to church. Not just decide to read your Bible. Not just decide to, to live a little bit better. But decide to give your heart irrevocably and unreservedly to Jesus Christ. And you will never regret it. You'll be sealed to the day of your redemption. You'll never go back. It'll be a quickening that you will never live down. Amen. Because when God seals that soul, you are sealed to the day of your redemption. Decisions are sometimes very hard. And I was thinking a lot this week about the conflict in a decision. The conflict. Brother Branham says in 1959, he says, don't forget to pray for me. I'm going to need it now. In the next few days, I'm going to need prayer. Now, just don't just take it lightly, but put me on your heart and pray for me. I just want to say this. I appreciate everybody that prayed for me while I was away. I appreciate the brothers that gather on Monday and pray. But don't do all your praying on Monday. Is that okay? I'm thankful for the Monday prayer meeting. Don't get me wrong, but don't let that be all you're praying. All right. So Brother Brown says, put me on your heart and pray for me. I need your prayers. I got decisions to make that might mean the difference of millions of souls. How'd you like to have that decision? That's a bigger decision than you and I will ever make. But one day... You'll be sitting in a throne making decisions for millions of souls. Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world? You. Don't put it to somewhere else. It's you. And that's why God is molding you now on how to make the right decision. Moses had been molded by 40 years on the backside of the desert. He met God on that mountain. 
where they were as we read in Exodus chapter 32. He met him there in the burning bush. And Moses knew that his life was changed, forever changed, meeting God at the burning bush. And he knew if only Israel could meet God like I met God, they would be forever changed. He brought them to the place where he met God. But it's still their decision. How it must have pained Moses to see what he saw coming down from the mountain. After he had, God had used him to do so many miracles and bring those plagues in Egypt. The firstborn being slain. Coming out under the token by the mighty hand of God. The Red Sea being opened before their eyes. Walking across on dry ground and then the sea closing on the Egyptian army behind them. And then Moses saying, this army that you see today, you'll see no more forever. As they come into the, across the Red Sea, God brought water from the rock to give them water. He sent manna from heaven. And now here they are at the mountain. At a time when the mountain is thundering and lightning and the presence of God is on the mountain. There's no denying the presence of God. There's no denying the presence of God. And here they are in the camp. And they just get tired of waiting. Reminds me of when I preached about Saul. You know, the pressure on the seventh day. We're here on the seventh day. We're here in the seventh church age, and the pressure is tremendous. And Saul got tired of waiting, even though Samuel told him, don't do anything till I get there. But Saul, the pressure just built up on him as a ruler who really was not called nor fit to rule. His character was not molded like David's was. But yet he was there ruling, and, and because of a lack of character, he made a rash decision. And he offered sacrifice without waiting for the word of God to come into position. And because of that, he lost. He began to lose his position in the kingdom of God. God rented from him and, and, and that was the end of his ministry. Well, here was Israel now at the mountain. They had come through all that they have come through. Listen, saints, we have come through all that we have come through. How many have seen a miracle in your life? Or in somebody's life. Of course just salvation itself is a miracle. But I've seen God do many things. I've seen the sick healed. The dead raised. I've seen souls saved that you never thought could be saved. I've seen God do miraculous things. Both at home and overseas. And all kinds of things that we've seen. The pressure is on in this day. And God is calling for real rulers. That in a time of pressure. Will make the right decision. And it's not easy. And here Israel was at the camp and, and they, well, it's just a late hour. No sense waiting for Moses. No sense waiting for the rapture. It'll make us a golden calf. We'll just be religious. We'll just party. 
We'll just do the things that we feel like doing. We'll just kind of let our flesh express itself. Just kind of have a good time and, and all of that. And, and, but yet there was Moses on the mountain communing with God, finding the perfect will of God for Israel. And there they were waiting, not willing to wait on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, they, they even said, you know, Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. He's probably dead up there. Nobody can survive that. All that thundering and lightning and quaking and all of that. He's probably dead up there. There's no sense in us waiting. Let's just keep pressing on. Don't press on. Stay in the will of God in your life. Don't just think it's just some easy thing and they come down. Moses comes down from the mountain. And, and I didn't read the whole chapter to save time, but you know he comes down and meets Joshua, who wasn't in the camp. He was waiting at the bottom of the mountain. And, and Moses says, there's noise in the camp. And Joshua says, must be a war. Because he couldn't think evil of his brothers and sisters. Must be a battle. And Moses goes, no, no, that's not the sound of war I'm hearing. That's the sound of a party. That's the sound of singing. That's the sound of revelry. And they came down. Now, Moses saw what the people had done. But now I want to say this. Did Moses say there's no hope for you? God said, Moses, step out of the way. These people are a stiff-necked people. I'm going to destroy them all. And I'm going to raise up another nation through you. You can find, not just here, and you can go home and read it when you go home, but chapter 32, but you can also refer to Deuteronomy chapter 10, where Moses describes some of the inner thoughts and some of the dealings of this chapter in more detail in Deuteronomy chapter 10. And as Moses stands there before God and God says, Moses, just step aside. That's all he had to do, brothers. That's all he had to do. He'd say nothing. Just step aside. And it would have been over for Israel. They would have been finished, every one of them dead, right there in the wilderness. And Moses stood before God, said, Lord, great Jehovah, forgive them. And if you can't forgive them, then don't forgive me. Blot my name out. Hallelujah. What a spirit. What a character. Brother Branham said in Souls in Prison Now, he said this was the very character or the very spirit of Christ in Moses. Moses had been through some bitterness times with these people. You know, the Bible says, I don't have time this morning to go into lead you through an intricate pathway through the scripture and through the message. So just bear with me. I'm just going to drop some things in. But the Bible says love suffers long. Love is active in pain. The pain of bitterness. Because the greatest love there is, is love that can be expressed 
in bitterness. Love suffers long, the scripture says. When you stand praying, forgive. That your Father which is in heaven will forgive also. Forgive you also. Because if you don't forgive, neither will the Father forgive you. In other words, if you don't express the love of God, you will not feel the love of God expressed to you. You will not experience the love of God in its full expression in your life. Because the love of God must be expressed through the painful suffering that we must go through. That is the character of Jesus Christ. This might not be, a, at least not right now, a jump up and down service to hear these kind of things. But God is calling you to be an expression of his love. That's what Jesus was. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. He was the expression of the love of God. God was sending his love into the world. And Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. In plain language, the very character of Jesus Christ was made by suffering. Amen. And as he sat on his father's throne, he is calling us to sit with him on his throne. Matter of fact, that's where we're at in the opening of the seals. Because when the seals are open, the lamb steps forward from the father's throne and he's heading towards his own throne. That's why the rapture is a series of events. It's not a moment in time. There's a shout, there's a voice, there's a trumpet, and he cries with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And Brother Branham says, what is he doing? He's calling for the bride to come stand by his side. Not just physically stand by his side, but stand by his side in character. Stand by his side in love. Stand by his side in stature. Stand by his side in everything that he is, she is. Amen. Amen. So that we and him are completely fulfilled as joint heirs together, sitting upon the throne. That's what's going on right now. You might not, you might not see it all, but I'm telling you that's what God's doing in your life. And it pained Moses to see what he saw. I thought of Brother Branham in the preview of The Bride. How that, you know, he was shown the preview of the bride, saw the first church, how she was correctly dressed, all those kind of things. It was just wonderful. And then he said, the voice said, now you'll see the bride of, I think, America or something. He says, and there she was dancing to the beat of rock and roll. Naked. Just like Moses saw. Naked. Israel was to be a bride for God, but there she was naked. America was to bring forth a bride, but there she was naked, the church of America. Oh, Brother Branham said, if that's all we ministers have been able to accomplish. But it wasn't what ministers can accomplish. It's what this message can accomplish. Hallelujah. Because the message is the wedding garment of the bride. I can't clothe you, but I can give you the garment. You must clothe yourself. The bride has made herself ready. Amen? Is this all right this morning? I don't want to... I'm at the point where I wanted to switch over to the slideshow. Let me just... Talk a little bit more about 
decisions, and then I'll go to the slides. Your decisions determine what dominates your life. Let me say it more succinctly. Brother Brown says, you're based on a free moral agency. Whatever a spirit you let dominate you will bring forth fruits. Your life will be dominated by the inside. Your decisions that you make determine what spirits you're allowing to dominate your life. The clothes you wear are influenced. You decide to wear what you're going to wear, brothers, sisters. But what influenced that decision? What's dominating your life? You decide on your future vocation. What you're going to do with your life. What your career is going to be. I've read a lot lately. There's a lot of, a lot of studies out now about feminism. What they call feminism. There's not a feminine part of feminism. Sorry. But they, they teach people. They teach women rather. The most important thing in your life is your career. That's what they're teaching the women. They teach them that at university. They teach them that through this feminism, whatever it is. Now the psychologists are realizing that these women that get to 30, 35, 40, God forbid, 45 years old, thinking that their career is their most important thing, they suddenly, well, maybe not suddenly, but they gradually realize they have the real meaning of life has passed them by. Sometimes it's God's will that somebody be single. That's all right. You know, sometimes it's better to be single than to marry the wrong person. You know, that's definitely so. And, uh, but yet in the midst of it all, sisters, I'm talking to you, God has a purpose for you. And it's not called a career. God has a greater, more, uh, this isn't politically correct, I realize. And I, but I trust I don't have to turn around and preach this in our church. I trust I can say it to your face. God has something for you called motherhood. The vast majority of you sisters will be mothers, will have children. And that is the greatest impact you will make in the world. I don't care if you, I was in the bank. I had a banking career and all of those. I was fast tracking through the banking executive or to the banking executive realms and all of those kind of things. But that, you know, when, the, when God's will come to my, I'm going to show you the manifested word here in a few slides in a moment. But when God's will come to my life, I'll tell you what, that career didn't mean that much. Brother Tom was there. He knows what I'm talking about. Those banking things, they were moving me from place to place all the time. But the career didn't mean nothing when I found the will of God in my life. You see what decisions you make will determine what spirit dominates your life. 
We decide who we'll be united to on our earthly journey. It reflects our character. What you allow in your mind reflects your character. What amount you allow in your mind rather influences your character. I just got to say a few more things before we go to that slideshow. Because I'll just say it this way. You, and Brother Tim's going to be real straight with you this morning. You are absolutely wrong to feed on any media that doesn't match Philippians chapter 4. You are absolutely wrong. I don't care what media, social media, internet media, any kind of media, if it doesn't match this, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do And the God of peace shall be with you. You want peace? What are you putting in your mind? What kind of a spirit are you letting? You got anxiety problems? What kind of a spirit are you letting dominate your mind? You got depression problems? And these are real things. But what kind of a spirit are you letting dominate your mind? What kind of media are you feeding on? What kind of stories are you taking in? What kind of doubts of the devil are you willing to let linger in this mind? Even a person that's sealed by the Holy Ghost, a person that, that, that's got the Holy Ghost and been quickened, just like Brother Branham when he lost, lost his life and wanted to take his own life a couple of times, tried to commit suicide. Those things are real. But what do you let dominate your mind? Listen, there's a, there's a realm that God does not want you to go in, and he's given us the keys. You read the whole of chapter 4 of Philippians, and he'll tell you, be careful for nothing. Then I say, be worried about nothing. Why are you worried this morning? If you're worried, why are you worried? I'm not worried. God's in control. You, you, you got family problems. I know what family problems are, and I'm not talking about my current family. But let me tell you something. God's in control. He's a supernatural God. And the devil doesn't stand a chance. And I am not worried, as the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. I am so thankful for this message. I am so thankful for the light of this hour. I am so thankful for the truth, that I can walk in the truth. Hallelujah. And I'm going to walk in the truth as an anchor for everyone that I know. I'm anchored there for other people. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm just getting a little preachy this morning. I think you're enjoying it. This is the realities of this message, isn't it? That's the realities of it. Circumstances don't make a difference. We're kind of related to Jonah. It's all lying vanities. The events of this world are lying vanities. Just some people don't know it. But I know it, and you know it. Praise the Lord. And we're getting out of here. And we're taking our loved ones with us. 
One way or another. They're all going to be there. Amen. I hope it's one way and not the other. Praise the Lord. I better get... You see... You... Praise the Lord. <laughs> you can't avoid being born in this age in case you didn't realize it. It's too late. You're already here. And the troubles you see around you, God knew they'd be there. So don't get mixed up in your mind going, oh, well, why'd I have to be born in this age? Because you're called to overcome in this age. That's why. God has not just equipped you with gifts within you, but he has equipped you with the greatest message he has sent since Christ died at Calvary. The fully revealed word. Some like to call it the open book. Whatever term you want to use, it's real. And it's the reality of God. And nothing will overcome that. Amen. Amen. So decisions are not easy. Go ahead. Put the slides up for me. Decisions are not easy. I want to talk about Uganda. What I saw there. What I experienced there. And what I heard there. I have no response here. Thank you. This is the country of Uganda, just a small country in the middle of Africa. Looks like you're going to have to do it for me. I'll just point at you. <laughs> These are two wonderful brothers here. I want to talk about the brother on your left, on my right in the picture. And uh, his name is Brother Juma. Brother Juma was Pentecostal. And uh, I, this was after the first meeting in Uganda. I sat down with these brothers at lunch at Brother Elijah Diogo's house. And, and we had some fellowship. And I heard, started to hear about Brother Juma. Brother Juma's a pastor in the Pentecostal church in a certain region. And uh, he... Uh, originally was against the message. He was on the Pentecostal council in that region, about 30 years old, a real firebrand. But he was against the message because the brothers were invited to preach the message in that area, but they didn't come through the council for permission to preach the message. Wouldn't you ever think that? And so he thought, well, if these guys aren't going to come through the council, then they must not be of God. And so we're against it. And so the brothers went anyway. They went to the church they were invited to. They preached the message. Brother Stephen Abali and, and uh, probably Brother James here was with him. And, and they introduced the message in the church there in that area. And Brother Juma was in the church when they were preaching. He thought, well, I'm going to go and listen to them and find out all the error of it. Well, he just stayed a little bit too long. And uh, he, what he thought was error, he saw was truth. And God got a hold of him, and he began to talk to his, his uh, brothers in the council and said, hey, let's not stand against this. This is the truth. We need this. And his fellow Pentecostal minister said, no, actually we don't, and we don't need you either, and you're out. 
and they kicked him out. Well, Brother Jim was the pastor of a church of about uh, almost 300 people, and he preached the message. He brought the message into his own church, and 260 people were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's wonderful. Now, Brother Juma, got, because he's on fire with the Word of God, uh, he then went from there, he went to his, the land of his nativity, the place where he was born in another part of Uganda, and he preached the message to his family, and 300 people were baptized there. Now, I'm sharing this with you because this is an example of how the message is spreading in Uganda. This is a, one example of many situations. All right. So now he's preached it at home. He goes back to where his church was and he keeps preaching it. Well, now he comes under persecution because, he, he, uh, because he's preaching it with such boldness. Many people are getting saved. Matter of fact, there's another thousand in that area that are waiting to be baptized. Many pastors and churches have come into the message through this one man. All right. Now, hold on to your seats yet. Because they, the, now the Pentecostal realized this guy is trouble for us. And so they went to his church and tore all the tin sheets off of his church. They, they vandalized his church, took all the, the tin sheets off. And Brother Juma said, okay, well, let's put some tarpaulins on. So they put tarpaulins on the, the framework of the church. And then they came back in the dark of night and took a knife and shredded all the tarpaulins persecution, folks. It's real. As a matter of fact, those spirits that were in the dark ages, they never died. They just go from the mother to the daughters. And so now, now he's, he's got this situation. So he's preaching in his own church and, they, and these Pentecostal in name only preachers come with police to visit the church and disrupt the service and get him arrested. Because they said he's preaching dangerous things. And so the policemen come. They actually interrupt the meeting. They stop the meeting and they, they tell him, what, what is it that you're preaching? These people say you're preaching dangerous things. And he's just talking to the police. No, I'm just preaching the Bible. It's just the truth. And, and he just begins to share with the police officers. Well, now the villagers from around the area begin to gather, knowing Brother Juma is a real man of God. And they begin to say, why are you troubling this good man? And the police back off, and, the, and they all go away, and he's called then to the district commissioner's office, which is the highest level bureaucrat or politician in a, in a region, and he's called into the district commissioner's office, and he's told, be careful. I know what the, what the intelligence is amongst the police, and they tell me, if these people catch you alone, they will kill you. Spirits don't die. But Brother Juma was undeterred. I sat there and I talked to him. And I said, Brother Juma, how long have you been in the message? He said, eight months. Hello, did you hear me? I said, eight months. He's been in the message less than a year, 1,600 converts. I'll tell you what, this is what's happening in Uganda. And this, isn't a, this is not the only instance of it. This is what God is doing. If you have trouble understanding what's happening in Uganda, that's why I'm sharing this story. 
because here is a man that is on fire. I said, I said, well, we brought Bibles and we brought church age books and seals books and Hebrews books into uh, the country. I said, have you had time in eight months with all this work to, to feed on these things? Oh, he says, I've read them all. He's done all this work and read all of that message plus individual titles that we preach within the country. What are you going to do for the next eight months? Praise the Lord. Amen. Or ouch, whichever you prefer. I say God send a revival. Amen. I don't I, I know North America's burnt over, but man, I'm thinking there's a generation here that has never heard. If God would just open a door. It's sovereignly given of God. So that's Brother Juma. Been in the message eight months. What a testimony. This is Uganda. Sorry, this isn't working for me. Um, give me the next slide. I, I put the very small red dots on there just appeared. These are the brothers, the elder brothers that are working in the revival in uh, Uganda. I think I have a pointer here. Here in Kampala, Sita, Jinja, uh, Kaliro, Iganga, Bujiri. These are the, some of the brothers that are working with us. With us, They're working. We're working with them in uh, Uganda. They're head, headed largely by uh, Brother Stephen Abali and Brother Fred Shienji in the different areas. Give me the next slide. These pink dots represent, pink stars represent where we had meetings on this trip. And I won't go into the traveling here and there. Sometimes it takes three hours to get to a meeting on roads that are, and the distance might only be 80 kilometers. But the roads are not exactly Highway 1, as we would call them, or Interstate 5. It's a little bit more difficult than that. So I thought, I just, I asked the brothers in these meetings, I said, I want to know the ministers, the new ministers that are coming to the meetings, and I want to know where they're from. And I want to kind of get an idea in my mind where this message is going in Uganda. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Give me the next slide, please. So the first meeting was in Mayugi, and the red dots that are appearing now is the, the ministers that are relatively new to the message that came to that meeting. It wasn't a minister's meeting. It was a general meeting. There was 37 new ministers present Next slide. At the, uh, at the meeting, uh, and 13 additional established ministers. There was over 600 people total. There was 20 baptisms, including five ministers, just at this one meeting, uh, two meetings on one day. And I appreciate that, what God has done. Um, and uh, there was the baptisms there. They have a nice baptismal tank there at the church, and uh, very thankful for that. I appreciate the brothers that are there. You know, they're industrious there in, in Mayugi, brother, this brother Elijah Diogo's church. They've got some more building they want to do there on the back of the church to, to expand it just so they had some offices at the back. But they're not sitting on their hands waiting for some donations. They're making bricks. And God bless them for making bricks. And uh, may God bless their needs financially there. The Lord has blessed them with a real nice church and they put it to good use there. Here's uh, after the meeting, the brothers, the ministers don't go away handy. There's a box of books that you provided. 
And uh, they go home with the books that they need for their people, whether it be Bibles, church age books, seals books, Hebrews books, individual titles that we're printing there in the country. God bless you. They're being taken care of. And they don't exactly have a lot of vehicles there. 600 people, this was the parking lot. A few of them have motorcycles. And that's about it. I think there was one vehicle, and that was the one that I rode in to the meeting. So God bless them for what they're doing there. They're accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God. I'm going to just keep going forward, if that's all right. Now, the second meeting was in Caliro, which is a little bit north of Jinja there, and, and we're adding in some of the ministers that were there. There was altogether 67 new ministers present and 15 established ministers. And so these are not all the locations, or these dots might re- represent more than one minister in an area. And I just... I just wanted you to see this, and, and uh, Brother Hannington, you'll hear him on the podcast, uh, not the next one, but I think the one after, talking about what God's done in that area. Next slide, please. His church there was actually falling apart a few years back uh, when he first says, you know what, I want to just use this church if God will use it for outreach and for reaching out in the midst of what God's doing in my country. And so we helped him to fix up his church a little bit so it wasn't, the walls weren't caving in. And uh, uh, the Lord has blessed it. He was the only church in that region called Caliro District. And uh, they have districts there. I think in BC we call it municipal or regional, municipal regions or something like that. I can't remember what the name is here. In the States, you might have counties. I know in Alberta, they have counties. And, and, and so just a, it's kind of a region. It's not a state. It's not a province, but it's just a regional area. And so in this Caliro region, this was the only church when he first started uh, reaching out at the time. And now there's 25 churches in the message in this region. And so we praise God for that. Last month, the month of October, over 250 people were baptized in just this region. And so we thank God for that. Amen. Give me the, this is the outside of the church. And there was over, he's told me over 300 people, 370 people. I looked at it and I thought, I, I'm not a good estimator of numbers. I said, what was there today? 250? Oh no, he says there was 370 more than 370 people. They just come in. They're not members of that church. They just come, come in from the surrounding area, and we thank God for each and every one of them. All right, next one. Now we're expanding a little bit more for the meeting in Jinja. So that took us Friday, Saturday. Now we're on Sunday, and uh, it was Sunday morning, and so there was 33 new ministers present in uh, uh, Jinja, and because it was Sunday morning, many were at their own churches. Uh, the Lord was certainly giving us wonderful services. Um, and so, give me the next slide there. There's the church there in Jinja, the people on the inside. I don't think I got any pictures from the outside. Next slide. You can skip that one. Thank you. And, uh, you know, that, I just wanted to put up a picture of my translator and I couldn't get one of him himself, so I was in them all. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good when you have a good interpreter. And uh, Brother Emmanuel, he does a wonderful job. And we just, we always preach together in Jinja, and we have a wonderful time. And this is the back. You can see, Brother Kim, the ceiling is done. 
And uh, so uh, those of you that were on the trip in 2013 did a little work uh, on the ceiling, and uh, now they've got it all complete, and it's, it's looking very nice in there. And it wasn't done by Bible believers. It was funded by somebody else. So God bless them for that. Now, the next day, we Monday, the rest day, Brother Stephen took me on a trip to visit a couple churches. And so uh, here we are going down an average Uganda road. Um, I think this one was washed out ahead, so we actually had to come back on the same road and go a different route. Next one. But we visited this church here. Uh, this is Brother Tizomu. They came into the message, and the storm hit his church and, and broke down the walls. And, uh, but that didn't deter them. They're now worshiping under some poles and tarpaulins. And, and so God bless them for doing that. I wanted to show you the next church, though. The day was getting late, but we still stopped in Brother Eric uh, Musazi's church. He found a church that, that was a building that was built. They converted it into a church. It's a brick building, so it's very solid. And uh, there he is uh, in the church. And, uh, and next slide, please. And there's his library. And I just wanted to show you the library because on, this, on these shelves are, are books that we have printed and Bibles that we have brought into Uganda. You see a couple of Bibles there, some message books. And the work that you're doing and the labors of your love that is supporting the work in Uganda is going all over into little churches like this. And I say, God bless them. I think Brother Eric told me they have about uh, 40 to 50 people in this assembly. So that's wonderful. Little churches all over Uganda. And you can see why, because uh, the road that we went down, you know, we had to travel Oh, I don't know. We traveled most of the day from about 11 in the morning till dark. We were still at this church. We had to travel all day just to visit two churches. And they weren't far from Brother Stevens. But you can see why the people need churches in their area. There's no way they could travel those distances on foot to go to church all the time. And so God bless them, and, and we certainly are praying for them. Next one, please. This is the... Uh, printing work that is managed by Brother Basabozi in the city of Kampala. On Tuesday, we went into Kampala, and, and this is uh, uh, the printing work. You can see the stacks of books that are, that are collated, waiting to be stapled, folded, and trimmed. And so they, they print 10,000 books a month right now. That's 5,000 Luganda books, uh, 2,500. Uh, you can go back to the other one. Uh, 2,500 um, uh, Karamojong books, 2,000 Atesso books, 600 Kenya Rwanda books, 200 uh, Amharic books. The, the message hub is tremendously flexible in that because you can download a title and print however many copies you need on whatever printer you have, you don't, you don't have to go to a commercial printer where it's only reasonable or feasible to print thousands of copies, and then you've got all these leftovers. But when you have your own printer, you can actually print just 500 books. 
You can print 1,000 books, 2,000 books, even up to 5,000 books. I mean, once you get into the 10,000s of books, and especially the large books, like we print in China, it's more feasible to use a commercial printer. But here we're doing it locally. These young brothers here are volunteer. They come and do the work, and, and they're fed there, and uh, then they go home. And, and one thing about some of these African countries, they have labor in abundance. And so God bless them for doing that. I know you've heard that part of the story before. Next one. These are the books that we've landed in the country, or I should say these are about half the books that we've landed in the country because half of them are already given out. Uh, we landed 20,000 Bibles, 10,000 more church-age books and, and Hebrew series books. And so uh, about half of them so far are given out, and this is the half that remains. And from this shipment, I think the next day, 2,500 more went out. And so we're glad for that. I just took my picture there just so you can see how big the piles really are. And so that's, uh, that's the big guy standing there. So we went to Jinja, and in Jinja, uh, Brother uh, Mogus from Ethiopia joined me there. I'm sorry, not Jinja, in Kampala. Now, we're heading for meetings in other areas now, and I was considering to... Uh, extend my trip and go into Ethiopia, and I was kind of weighing it back and forth, but finally the door opened for Brother Mogus to come and be with us, and the meetings and what he saw had a tremendous impact upon his life. I was so glad because the work in Ethiopia is small, and you know, there's one here and two there and ten there that get saved, and that's wonderful, that's glorious. It's the beginnings of the work in Ethiopia. But for him to come and, and sit under the ministry of the Word and to see the impact of the Word upon, there's no really other way to say it than the masses of the people, just inspired him. And you'll hear his comments also on the missions podcast if you listen to that. So let's move forward, keep going. This is Nakasangola. And uh, this is a, a meeting up in the north northern area, probably only 120 kilometers from Kampala, but took us about three hours to get there, about three hours to get home, and, and uh, we had a wonderful time here in Nakasangola. There's 300 people present. This is, out, this is out in the middle of nowhere, we would say. I mean, we drove on the highway, and then we drove off the highway, and then we drove down a dirt road, and we came to a spot, and there was the church, and here was the people, and I'm thinking, where are all these people coming from? Because there's no vehicles, no transportation, but they had just gathered in from the surrounding area. This is a church that we built, and you can see we're standing on a platform now, so the people built themselves a platform. And uh, so that, that was a real encouragement to see them take the basic structure that we gave them and move forward from that. Now we met with them, uh, had a wonderful meeting, spoke on character, and got to the subject of Brother Branham being told, whatever you say to this young couple, that's what will happen. And as he sweated it out and came to the right decision, and the right decision was, I forgive you. Something happened to those people. In that meeting, a district commissioner was there. That's, again, the head politician, bureaucrat in that area. He came up after the service and gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said, when I saw, when I heard, rather, about that man 
that was told to say anything. And he said, I forgive you. He said, that smote my heart. It changed his life. And that'll be a blessing to the believers in that area too, I am sure. But God dealt with him. There was also, next picture, uh, a brother there. In the, you can see him there in the tan suit on the right. He's sitting there. That was the first meeting in the message he had ever been in. He's a pastor and also uh, is, they call it a bishop over about 30 other churches. And he said to Brother Fred, and you can see here they're talking together, but he said to Brother Fred, he says, I, what I have heard today, uh, my church needs to hear and my people need to hear. He says, and I want you to come as soon as possible and preach this message in my church. And that's how the message is spreading. They just come to a service. The door, God has sovereignly opened a door. And they sit in a meeting, and they've never been in a message meeting before, and they hear things that they never heard before, and God smites them, and the message then spreads to their area. And so uh, God is doing, continually doing wonderful things. So that was the first meeting with Brother Fred in Nakasangola. Then two days after that, we were going to, a, going to have a minister's meeting. Now, I always try and tell the brothers... I don't want to spend a lot of money on meetings. Please uh, keep it to a minimum. And that's what they try and do. And so the minister's meeting on Friday was in Seta, in Brother Fred's church. And here you can see a number of forms of transportation of the brothers. Well, the brothers began to arrive the night before that were coming from longer distances that couldn't have made it on the morning of the meeting. And so there was a few hundred that had already gathered and slept on the grounds of the church waiting for the meeting. That's called revival. Brother Ram talks about it when the early, in the early part of the revival in the 50s and late 40s as people would come to the meetings in remote places under tents and they'd sleep under cars, sleep in cars, sleep wherever they could find a place. The hotel rooms were filled up, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what's happening in Uganda. And these brothers uh, are wanting even a, a, a greater minister's meeting. They actually want a three-day meeting. And uh, I don't know, I told them that's a lot of money to bring you know, thousands of new ministers together for a three-day meeting, take a great sum of money. I won't even say how much. Go on to the next picture, please. This is where they came from. And I couldn't even put all the dots on the screen. I wore myself out making this slide. I just, I had the brothers, get, get all the ministers, sign up, tell me where they're from and how far it is from the, the meeting today. And so they put their names, their locations, and the distance to their meetings. You can see somewhere, somewhere from all the way down into the far reaches. This is the, just down by the southern border of Uganda. Somewhere up in the north that are even above the map here. Some in these northern areas and all into these other areas. This isn't even, there's established churches in this area, in the western part. I've preached in Kasisi of Brother James Navanabande, but this has nothing to do with that. These are all new churches that have all come into the message of the hour and all through here and all through. With these, these dots here should probably be double or triple, by the way, in this area. What God has done in this country is amazing. You know, they talk about a great awakening in America during the mid-1800s. And I was, I was actually looking at it the other day. 
And I realized the population of America in the 1800s is similar to the population in Uganda now. So it's about the same size of population. There is a great awakening happening in this country. And if anything, I try to encourage the brothers, and they don't hardly need it, but I just encourage the brothers, do everything you can. Whatever you feel to do, just do it. And give me the next slide. These are the brothers that are gathered together. This is a minister's meeting. Brother Fred said, he didn't invite everybody. He said, as a matter of fact, the day of the meeting, many ministers were phoning him saying, why didn't we get invited? Because he just, as I said, tried to keep it, the budget down a little bit because you got to help these brothers with food and transportation. And so, uh, so anyway, they're, they're gathered together here in this meeting. There's a at first, he put up 800 chairs, and then as they begin to arrive the night before, he realized 800 is too small. And so he began to put up more chairs. He went out, sent out for 400 more chairs. So they had 1,200 chairs, and by the time of the service, 1,200 chairs were filled and people were still arriving. Ministers, no wives. No ministers. So at the beginning of the meeting, I asked the brothers, I said, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have been in the message for more than five years? Put up your hand. About 20 hands went up. 1,200 ministers new to the message within the last five years. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap. We just glorify what God has done. This is not man that has done this. God has done this. Now extrapolate it out a little bit. There's 1,200 in this meeting. There was 300 in the other meetings. There was, uh, uh, there was hundreds that did not come or did not get invited, more so from Brother Stephen's side than even Brother Fred's side. So we're easily talking 2,000 new ministers in the message. I talked to ministers. Give me, carry on with another slide. There's another angle of it. Another one. Uh, oh, sorry, go back, go back. Okay, so I talked to ministers after. I'll show you the picture in a minute here. And, and I, I, some of them said I have a congregation of 40. Some said I had a congregation of 75. Some said I had a congregation of 260. Another one was 370. And so various sizes of congregations. And talking to these brothers, and I, and I said to myself, all right, we're talking 2,000. Brother Jim, think about it. We're talking 2,000 new ministers. If you just average 50 people, that's really conservative. But if you just average 50 people for 2,000 ministers, what have you got? You got 100,000 people. Hello? The needs are huge. But is anything too hard for God? No, sir. No, ma'am. Give me the next one. This is the manifested Word of God sitting right in front of you. These are four women pastors who received the message and stepped down from the pulpit. That is the manifestation of the Word of God. They saw their place in the Word of God. And nobody went to them and told them, you don't have a right, you know, this, that, the other. They just, they just saw the Word of God. And they said, well, now that my eyes are open, I shouldn't even be standing behind this pulpit. What am I doing here? 
And, and I think there's one church that they help with, but three other of those churches, there's been men raised up to take the position of pastor. One of these sisters, I think it's Sister Monica, she believed the word, but because she believed the word and stepped down from the pulpit, which was her source of income, her husband left her. Can you imagine? Uh, I say, may God deal with that man. That's all I can say. But these sisters have left their, their places of, you call them their places of employment, their denominational positions, to believe the word of God. Let me say it more specifically. Here's women who left their careers because of the word of God. And I say, God bless them. And furthermore, I've opened a fund that anybody that gives specifically to these sisters, it will go to them, all right? If you have a burden for that, there are some people. uh, The message is reaching into places. God is not a respecter of persons. God knows those that will believe. I'm looking forward to seeing these sisters on the other side. God bless them for their eternal decision. And it costs them. Just like it costs Brother Juma, it costs them. It costs them much in this world, but they've made the right decision. Because thou hast chosen the harder way, and it is my way, God says. Amen. God bless them abundantly is my prayer. Give me the next slide. These are all brothers that have received church buildings that Bible believers have built with the help of brothers and sisters that are burdened for that particular need. Our emphasis is translation and the word. That's our emphasis. But there are those that recognize that some of these churches had been kicked out of their denominational buildings because they believe the message. And so people have been giving to build churches. So far, as I mentioned last time, we've built 59 churches. These are some of the brothers that were at the minister's meeting that have received their churches. There was this one brother. He pulled his key out. He was just so thrilled. He says, this is the key to my church. And he was just so happy, and I just wanted to share that with you. He's so thankful that you people have provided for what they have need of in that country. You will never understand their poverty, but you will understand their faith. These are real believers who have stood for the Word of God. Amen. Last service was in Nansana. And Santa is the place where they had the Easter revival. If you remember in the spring when the Pentecostals raised up a big meeting just across the street from this building. And uh, they had a, a big outreach and big stage and noisy and so loud that they couldn't even have meetings in the church here. But yet God turned it around and uh, touched the heart of the Muslim mayor because the Muslims believe in one God like we believe in one God, not like the Pentecostals that believe in three gods. All right, and so the uh, Muslims, that's, that's all they have in common with us. They, they just believe in one God. And so they, he said, well, he says, you, I'll shut them down. And he shut down that meeting. And he told Brother Fred, well, now you need to go have a meeting where they had a meeting. And Brother Fred said, well, we're not rich. We don't have that kind of equipment and the stage and speakers and all that kind of stuff. And the mayor said, I'll donate the equipment if you just have the meeting. So here's a Muslim mayor I'll tell you what, talk about giving a glass of water to the elect. Here's a Muslim mayor that helped the elect of God to win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so there in that meeting, there was, I, I, there was thousands at the meeting, but I think the church grew because of that meeting from 80 people to 200 people. And now they heard we were having a meeting, but just Sunday morning, they had a tremendous rainstorm over that area of uh, Kampala, which is Nansana. And the rainstorms in Uganda is like prairie rainstorms. Anybody know what I mean by prairie rainstorms? They're not like Vancouver, where if it rains, you write off the week, okay? But they're more uh, localized, heavy, uh, might last for an hour, might last for a few hours, and that's it. But it pours down a lot of rain. And so that's the kind of rainstorm they were having. And Brother Fred called me and said, we're going to delay the meeting because of the rain. People are not going to be able to make it. And the service will be smaller anyway because of the rain. Well, if it was smaller, we didn't know it. Because you see the people here in the church. Now behind the church where the light is, there's actually tents set up the same size of the church, and that's full. And then outside of that is the street, and the people were gathering on the street and gathering in the yard beside the building over here. And so all of it was, was just, they had over 600 people come to the meeting in spite of the rainstorm. Many people gave their hearts to the Lord, and, and God came down in a wonderful way. It was our last day there, and we just, uh, just thank God. We had a, just a wonderful revival on that day, and we just praise God for everything He's done. God is doing wonderful things in the country of Uganda, and that's as much as I've just given a missions report in general, but I just wanted you to see some of the things, firsthand experiences of just being there. Give me the next slide. This is Brother, um, uh, Brother Moses Maswiga, if I say that correctly. Brother Moses here uh, is an old-time believer. He's about, he's about your age, Brother Tom. And uh, why is everybody chuckling? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> But he, Brother Stephen told me a story. He got involved in, in outreach, and he saw a church that had lost their pastor about 20 kilometers away, and he was riding his bicycle 20 kilometers at your age, twice a week, no problem, <laughs> and, and, and not through easy roads. And Brother Stephen told me a story. He says, he says is there anything you can do for him? Well, I had a few U.S. dollars with me, and I said, listen, how much would it cost to buy this guy a motorcycle? And I admit I broke down, and my, my heart, I couldn't see him suffer riding this bicycle twice a week, 20 kilometers and back, and I just said, get him a motorcycle. And they got him a motorcycle and sent me this picture. So God bless Brother Moses. May, Lord, may the Lord advance his ministry. We're not really buying a lot of motorcycles. We could. Uh, the price of gas over there is horrendous, just like it is here. But uh, you pray for them. We do supply them with needs, with some things to meet their needs. Give me the next slide. I want to just share with you the needs now. All right, fasten your seatbelt. I tried to be real conservative. Um, just follow me. We're going to have to send another shipment of books. We just landed a shipment of books. Now we, they're going to need 20,000 more Bibles, 20,000 church age books, 10,000 seals, 10,000 Hebrew books over there. That's, uh, 
$150,000. That's U.S. dollars. And uh, so that's close to $200,000 Canadian. And now, before that stumps you, I want you to know how light that is. I was talking to Brother Fred, and we're going to release a podcast today with Brother Fred Sheenji. And uh, he, I asked him on the podcast, I said, well, these these numbers and these people coming in and you've got more places to go to and more invitations and the word is spreading. I said, and by the way, if you want to pray for somebody, pray for Brother Fred. He's not a man that is strong in his body, but what God has used him to do over there is incredible. And uh, uh, the doors that are open to him. Now, I said, Brother Fred, I, I, we've already sent 30,000 Bibles and 30,000 church-age books and other books into the country. I says, how many more church-age books and Bibles do we need? He said, 200,000. I did what you just did. I was completely silent. I said, I think you said 200,000. I said, I'd be happy if we could send 50,000. He says, no, oh, no, no. The need is much greater than that. The way this is spreading, he says, as long as it's spreading like this, we're going to need 200,000. Well, I said, be it unto you according to your faith. Just Bibles alone, in case any of you have real deep pockets that you're wondering what to do with that extra in your, in your cash in your pocket, I said, 200,000 Bibles at $5 a piece? To me, that's a million dollars. I got a mm on that one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How's your faith? Is anything too hard for God? You know, it's out of our hands, but God can do anything. You know, that's, that's all God's interested in is do you believe? If I could get every one of you to believe with me that God will provide for every one of their needs, I believe he will. Amen. Amen. Give me the next one. We need to double our monthly printing in the country. That's going to cost us an additional $5,000 every month. Next one. Church buildings and latrines are ongoing. $6,500 for a church, $1,500 for a latrine. We used to say $5,000 for a church, but it's inflation. And so uh, the costs are going up there as well as the costs are going up here. And so these are What's happening, we're going to try and ship in 2,000 MP3 players for the ministers there. It's going to cost us, it could cost us $7,000 in landing costs if we believe that these MP3 players will be donated. And uh, we're believing for that. But uh, just the landing costs could be $7,000. So these are kind of the costs that I said I would share with the church. And what I want you to do is believe with me. Amen? Amen? Can I tell the story on Brother Duplessy? Brother Tom was telling us the other day at lunch he met what he met Brother Duplessy when he was just a young man. And uh, when Brother Tom was just a young man. And uh, he, says, uh, he, he says to him, are you a minister? This is a brother from South Africa. He says, no, I'm not a minister. And he was visiting here. And he says, well, usually only ministers visit here. He says, what do you do? And Brother Duplessy says, I make money. so that I can give money to the kingdom of God. That's what I do. 
And that is a tremendous revelation. Not everybody's a minister. You can't always go, but you can send somebody, Brother Branham said. But even more than that, you're always in the will of God when you're doing missions work. You want God to bless you? And this isn't a pull for money. This is a reality. You want God to bless you? Use what he gives you for his kingdom. And when you are a trustworthy conduit for God to bless you so that you can bless the kingdom of God, guess what's going to happen? He's going to bless you more. This isn't prosperity doctrine. This is the reality of how God operates. And so I hope that's okay this morning. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Maybe the musicians can come. A decision. So this morning... I present you with a decision. Now it's getting real quiet. God's molding you to make the right decision. Amen. There's needs in the body in Uganda. There's needs in other places too. There's needs in your life. I'm not talking about what you need to live on. But why don't you look to God and say, Lord, maybe I could sponsor one book. Maybe 50 cents a book. Maybe I could do something for the kingdom of God. You know, this world is going to perish. Everything I have in this world is going to perish. Brother Tom was almost getting the revelation to sell his house the other day. Almost. <laughs> I'm sure his wife pulled cold, poured cold water on it. Maybe I'm not. That's nothing against your wife, you know. Sometimes you get over in these countries and you see these needs and you're like, what kind of money could I gather around me? I sell my car, I sell my house, but where's my family going to live? How am I going to get to work? And, you know, all of these kind of things. And, you know, we just want to do what we can for the kingdom of God. Everything that you do for God, he sees it. I might not see it. Nobody else might see it, but God sees it. And so you have a decision. What you choose A real decision determines the influence that will dominate your life. And may God train us as he's training us, molding us. Every son that cometh to God is chastised. Everybody goes through suffering. And the suffering that we go through here is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us when we get on the other side. Listen, I'm in this subject. I'm going to finish it, okay? When we get on the other side, we're not going to look back and say, you know what? My bank account was not big enough. There's not going to be one of us that look back and say, oh, I wish I had more money in that bank account, or I I, I wish I had saved more, or I wish I had done this, or I wish I had bought that, or I'm I'm so glad that I had a nice house. Listen, we're glad for the houses, the cars, the wealth that we have in North America, but let's never forget, we are a part of a greater kingdom. And on the day of judgment, we're going to be responsible to judge the world, and what character we have now is the character we have there in the throne of Christ. These decisions have eternal consequences because those decisions have eternal consequences. Now let me just emphasize this down. All right? Could we sing that, you think? I think Sister Sarah hasn't sung that song as anything too hard for God in a long time. How many would like to hear her sing it?
But let me nail this right down tight for you. The decisions you make now have to have eternal consequences because God is training you. He's molding your life. He's giving you character. Come up and get ready. He's training you because you're going to sit in a throne and make decisions on that judgment day that will have eternal consequences for others. There'll be many people that'll stand before you that lived in this generation. My heart is touched by that Muslim mayor. You know how that he, on that day, he'll stand before a Fred Chienji. He'll stand before his son Moses and the believers from that Nansana area. And the devil will say he was a Muslim. He didn't believe in you. But Brother Fred will step forward and say, but he helped us in our time of need. In so much that you've done unto the least of one of these, you've done it unto me. You'll be there. And there'll be those that you give an account for. There'll be those that you stand for. But Lord, they stood for me. I happen to believe that many of us will stand on that day in front of unbelieving parents. That never believe the message. But we'll be able to say, but Lord. They fed me. They took care of me. They may not have believed it the way I believe it. But Lord, they were good to me. And I'm willing to go through the molding process now. That on that day, that decision is not made just by human emotion. But is made in the sovereign love and justice of God. Brother Branham says, love is sovereign and justice is sovereign. Love is divine and justice is divine. It might be hard for us to grasp it now, but the deeper I think on these things, the more real it is. Every decision that I make is so important to God. Let's sing with Sister Sarah on the chorus as she sings the verse.
his plans are now unfolding they're performing perfectly it's clear how much he loves you look at all he's done for all your questions there is really only How many believe with me? It's going to take a miracle to meet those kind of needs in Uganda. To me, it's a miracle. To God, it's easy. He specializes in the impossible. He knows how everything's going to work together. He knew these numbers before I ever learned them. He's the infinite God, and He knows all things. He knows every soul that's going to come in in Uganda. You might ask yourself the question like I ask, why Uganda? When we get on the other side, maybe we'll understand a little bit better. There's works going on in different countries all around the world, but God allowed us to deal with the country of Uganda. I look back, Brother Kim, on the subject I preached on the sovereign opportunity and free moral agency. I preached it in 2013. I'm sure that'll ring a bell. That was when we went to Uganda the first time. That's where the radio program started. That's where many things began to, uh, the groundwork began to be laid. We didn't know what God was going to do. But you know what? When God opens the door, I'm willing to walk through it. Are you with me? Are you willing? You say, I don't have any money, Brother Tim. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for you to believe with me. Will you believe with me for this miracle for the country of Uganda and wherever else God wants to do it? But specifically, let's believe for Uganda. Say, Lord, these are your people that must 
be clothed with the Word of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, these people are believing with me. We're standing in your presence, Lord. If there's anybody under your divine presence that maybe has doubts in their heart, I pray, O oh God, that the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ would move through that life, driving every doubt away. I pray, Lord, that you pour in faith. I've seen you do so many things, and Lord, you know my heart of the things that you've done for me financially. We might look at it as a financial need, but Lord, it's really a spiritual need. You sent a message, and the message was not just for us. The message for it was for a bride out of every kindred, tongue, and nation. You knew that there would be a Fred Chienji. You knew there would be a Stephen Abali. You knew that there would be these brothers raised up in the country, that you would ground them and mature them in the word and in their gifts, and you would send them out and doors would be open. Lord, to you be all the glory. And we give you praise, and now we say, Father, continue the work. Lord, let us never take it for granted what you've done. If you want to open doors in other countries, Lord, we're willing. We might think like, I might think, Lord, I don't have the capacity, but in you, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Lord, I pray that you'll just take the preeminence now. I pray, Father, that somehow, some way, we send forth the Holy Spirit with our prayers that, Lord, you will sovereignly provide for every need that they have to clothe the bride of Jesus Christ in Uganda. And I pray, Lord, for every need that is here. There might be somebody this morning that was touched by that song, Lord. Lord, it's out of your hands. It's all that you can do. You've given God the problem. It's no longer up to you. Lord, maybe that spoke to somebody. Oh, Lord, we claim that somebody. We claim, Lord, that quickening power. We claim, Lord, the supernatural this morning, that your supernatural power will go out on our prayers, O God. And Lord, it will meet the cause, for we are projecting divine love that sovereign grace might come on the scene and produce the result. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We give this service to you. Lord, may everyone receive what they have need of, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. While we're waiting for the baptism, let's sing, uh, All My Life You Have Been Faithful. I just love that song. Has it been faithful to you? I love you, Lord.
moment. We'll have the baptism now. You may have your seats. Well, in the baptismal tank today, we have Brother Delphin. Delphin standing here. And uh, I just want to be reminding you that on Monday night is our family prayer meeting night. And uh, God's been answering prayers. We cannot hardly send out any more missionaries. We'll, we'll have to sell the church. <laughs> the demand that Brother Tim is putting on us. But by the time you go from the Philippines to China to, to Uganda, it's, the need is great. And that was wonderful, Brother Tim. God bless you. The burden of the word to see. And that's what the vision has been. That's how this church has stood over the years through Brother Biscoe's vision. And now, as we often say, we also missionary in our own backyard here. Here's a little darling. And, I, and, and, and what, I guess, can I say a little something first? That I remember Brother Brown saying at one time, he said, I, I'm going to have a great Chicago revival. I'm going to have a great Chicago revival. You know what the revival was? One little girl at an altar. And so we're having a revival. We're having a revival. This young man came up for prayer, didn't you, honey? Remember when you first came? And uh, just a little, would you say unruly? A little bit? And it was such a desire for mother. Sister Tosca, why don't you step forward so everybody can see you? You can face the people. The happy day to see your son in the waters of baptism. Came here all the way from Africa, comes to, to our little church. And um, Brother Delphin just was a little handful, can we say it put that way. We had a prayer with a group of the young men. And this man, the Holy Spirit, took that natural nature and transformed him into a tremendous young man. In fact, one of our deacons saw him act and help mom up in the balcony. And he was so moved. He, he said, Dad, there's this precious young Man up there, he, he's like a, a, a man. And I said, well, that's the one that we prayed for, that God did such a work. And God doesn't just start a work and, fi and not finish it. He's going to continue the work. And Brother Delphin, God's been dealing with you, hasn't he, honey? Do you want to say anything? I, I want to say thank you to the Lord and for what he has done for me. Amen. Amen. Well, last Sunday... I just had mentioned a little bit about, Brother Tim mentioned uh, media today. I mentioned the machines of the media last week. And he says, and he's standing at the tie box with me, weren't you? And uh, with Brother Sam. And Brother Sam's tall, and you're standing there. And I thought, Brother Sam needed to see me. He says, um, he says uh, there's a, I'd like, to, we need to see you. I said, well, who, who needs to see me? He said, well, Delphin wants to see you. So I said, okay, honey, do you want to see me? He says, yes, I want to come and see you in your office. <laughs> okay, now we're getting serious. So we sat down in the office, and God had been speaking to him. He says, and tears are just coming down his cheeks. He says, I was operating one of those little things, and my mummy saw me, and I got corrected. And he says, I don't want to do it anymore. And I need to go on with the Lord Jesus. And so that's why we are here. 
Delph and because of your desire. He says, I need the Holy Ghost and we're going to baptize him according to the word of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 3 and 4, and the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. And the Lord has called you, Delphin. And you've said in your heart, Lord, here am I. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. And so on that confession that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, honey, you've received Christ. And we're going to baptize you in true Christian baptism. Step right over here, sweetheart. It's right here, right there. And just hold your wrist like that. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord, today we saw many souls and our hearts rejoiced tremendously. And yet we rejoice also, Lord, in this one soul that stands here. This little precious life, Lord, in Delphin, that has desired the waters of baptism so that the very life of Jesus Christ would fill his very being. Lord, that's his desire, and Lord, we're willing to perform, according to the word of God, this baptism, that you'll take a hold of Delphin, that you'll use him mightily, Lord, amongst his playmates. Lord, those that are around him, and already, Lord, they see there's something different about him. And I pray, God, that you'll fill him with the Holy Ghost. I pray you'll loose his tongue. And Lord, if time should tarry, tarry, I pray you'll use him mightily for the kingdom of God. Father, what a blessing he's been already. And we pray that your grace will rest upon him. In Jesus' name. And Brother Delvin, according to your confession in Christ Jesus. I baptize you in true Christian baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand together. I love your voice. Oh,
center of God's creative power. If you can believe all things are possible to them that believe whatever you have need of this morning, he's your Jesus. He's your Savior. I want to sing that song. I love that song. My Jesus, my Savior. There's no, there's none like you. I can't remember the words. You put that up there for me. Shout to the Lord is the one I'm talking about. Amen. Is he your Savior this morning? Just before we leave, there's only this one service today. I'm going to dismiss you shortly here. You can go already if you want to. But this is about you and him. It's not about the one next to you. It's not about the other one in the house or someone else. It's about you. He's your Jesus. He's your Savior. By His blood, by His power, He has brought you into the center of His creative power and said to you, whatever you ask, whatever you say, He's training you. If you can believe, it must obey you. I don't know about you. I'd, there's no place I'd rather be in this world than right here in the center of God's creative work, his redemptive purpose. Is he your savior this morning? My Jesus, my Savior,
I'd love to take you all to Uganda. I thought when I'm preaching to these ministers these last two weeks, I thought to myself, I'm not preaching to 500 people. I'm not preaching to 1,000 people. I'm preaching to 100,000 people through these brothers. Because I know what they're going to take what they heard and they're going to go preach it to their people. And I thought, Lord, I'm preaching to multitudes here. And I would love to take you to Uganda. But you know what? I'm going to take you to Uganda one day. It's going to be the Uganda section at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm going to say, see these 100,000 souls here? Glory. See these 100,000? See this 150,000 over here? That's because of you. That's because you gave. You were a part of it. You sent. You're a part of them and they're a part of you. Oh, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Father one day Lord I'll be able to take some of these people here Lord and shout to the brothers from Uganda the sisters say remember that book you got see sister Margaret here she helped provide for that See, brother, oh, this and sister, that. Oh, Lord. Lord, on earth, they might have been butchers. They might have been bakers. They might have been carpenters and plumbers. But, Lord, when we get on the other side, we are rulers with you, oh, God. Those 12 disciples, they didn't come from very esteemed beginnings. Fishermen, farmers, tax collectors. But Lord, you said they'd sit on 12 thrones. And Lord, there's people I'm speaking to today that are sitting and will sit in your throne. They're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Their, mold, their character is being molded to perfection. Their faith is being brought into a perfect state because of you, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Lord, I pray that something said today would inspire somebody on this seventh day of great pressure to take another step forward. 
Don't be discouraged. May they not be discouraged, Lord. I pray, Lord, but they'll just look to you and say, Lord, you hold on to me and I'll hold on to you. No matter how the waves rock and how the ship is tossed, you've put the stabilizers on the ship, Lord, and we will crest every wave. So for all that was done in this journey, Lord, it's not all to my credit. These are the people that sent me, Lord. Put it to their account. And may the blessings abide to them, O God. And Lord, may their lives be blessed here in this wicked Western civilization. And may you give them victory over every circumstance. For unto you belongs the glory, Lord. Father, we commit ourselves to you without reservation. Have your way in our lives. We love you. As we dismiss this service, we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him? Can I say it again? There's no place I'd rather be than right in the center of this message. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. We love you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.